0: Well, match day 15 of the current Premier League season closed with a bang yesterday as Tottenham held Manchester City to an entertaining 3-0 draw. In fact, it finished uh, with a bit of bitterness, I think it's fair to say. City have been charged by the Football uh, Football Association with failing to control their players after they swarmed the on-field referee late in the piece, creating more ugly scenes for the sport. The standard of refereeing and video officiating has been a real point of contention in the young season so far, with a lot of the actual football becoming an afterthought. Now, Chris Wise has been with us before. Of course, he's a world-class football commentator, spends his weekends inside these stadiums, calling these games, and he was at Vitality Stadium for Aston Villa Bournemouth for the latest round and is with us now. Chris, good evening to you. Hi, Smithy. How are you? Yeah, very, very good. Uh, I'm a Spurs supporter, so I was very interested in the finish of yesterday's game. Um, what did you, what did you make of all the furor there, and and how it's been handled?
1: Well, I think I think the first point of note to make, I guess, about the game itself uh, was that it was a magnificent spectacle between two teams who were front-footed, attacking, wanted to play football. It was a great game, and up to that point of real controversy at the end, Simon Hooper, the referee, I thought had had a magnificent game and then handled it really, really well. Unfortunately, what happened at the end was a, a massive blemish on a wonderful occasion. He's made a mistake. There's, 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 there can be little doubt about that. Um, it's very interesting to, to watch the footage again because he quite clearly, he, he is actually generally in the Premier League, one of the best referees for playing advantage and, and ensuring the game flows as much as possible. And initially, he'd got that call spot on because he'd seen that Erling Haaland had been tripped. But he noted that he got back to his feet and he played the advantage, allowed Haaland to play that ball. And then obviously at that moment, he then, that critical moment, just as Jack Grealish appears to be running away from Tottenham's defence with a one-on-one situation with the goalkeeper, he then decides to blow his whistle. Now, whether he thought that Pedro Porro was perhaps going to reach the ball. He was a good, by that point, the referee, perhaps 40 yards from where Grealish and a couple of Tottenham defenders were. So whether his perception of of Grealish reaching the ball was a little different to to how it was in reality, I'm not too sure. But he, I'm convinced, will be the first to hold his hands up and say that it was a a genuine human error, which, of course, it was. Manchester City, even though their, their players obviously surrounded the referee at the time i thought pep guardiola generally speaking handed himself pretty well about the whole situation afterwards because they would have been furious about it and it might have been the match winner we don't know tottenham's two defenders might have caught jack Grealish. the goalkeeper might have made a save we don't know but unfortunately it's now that that we're talking about rather than what was a a terrific game
0: We see this uh, in a lot of sports these days, Chris, all the time with uh, rugby decisions, with cricketing decisions, etc. How long, is there a set frame for an advantage to be played in football like there is perhaps in rugby where it can last up to well 30 seconds to a minute?
1: No, there isn't. There's no. There's no set time. It ultimately is down to the referee's discretion, and I think that's the thing to point out about what happened with Simon Hooper yesterday in that Man City Tottenham game, is that what he what he actually did was not outside within the it was within the parameters of the game. It wasn't outside the laws of the game. It is it is at his discretion when he plays advantage. It is at his discretion when he blows his whistle to cancel that advantage if he doesn't think that advantage is going to be something that's going to benefit Manchester City or whoever. So he, he did nothing that was, that was outside the laws of the game. The problem was it was obviously an error at that point to blow his whistle, having given the advantage to Manchester City because there was a genuine goal-scoring, game-changing, season-changing maybe moment. Uh, and and it was one that he he got wrong, unfortunately, and uh, it was a, a a real shame. And actually, Smithy, on a weekend where, when you look at the past few weekends we've had in the Premier League, there seems to have been a massive, controversial moment involving VAR in practically every single one. And this weekend, it felt for the first time that actually we'd gone through the whole weekend, there hadn't been a big VAR talking point. The PGMOL, the governing body, probably thought, this is great, we had a really positive weekend. And then suddenly, right at the very end, at the very final game of the weekend, we've got another talking point.
0: At what point then do the FA really step in and get hard on this? Uh, is, is, there, um, is there a point now that you've reached, I mean, we've, what, we're 14 games into the season, but it seems to be a regular talking point all the time?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a great deal that can be done, really. From a VAR perspective, it's not going to change. It's that, that We're too far down the line. They're not going to row back on VAR now and suddenly decide that it's not something that we want in the Premier League anymore. It's, it's here to stay. I was having a little think about this earlier, and I think there's a couple of, a couple of key reasons why this is going on, in my opinion. And for me, the reasons are, is that the referees, more than ever, right now, because of VAR, but because of other reasons too, are under more scrutiny than they ever have been under before. And that is suddenly putting them in a really pressurised situation. You also have a game that season upon season is is changing, is getting quicker. You, your decisions are having to be, as an official, are having to be faster. You are having to see things that you've never had to see before. So the level of officiating for me, probably hasn't risen at the same speed as the Premier League has in the past 10 years. That's a factor. And also now with VAR, with referees on field, with 60,000 people surrounding you, 22 players to watch on the pitch, plus everything that's happening on the touchline, you've got a little earpiece in your ear and you've got a lot of information coming into you all the time from, from the VAR hub. They're talking all the time. The assistant referees are talking, the fourth officials are talking and VAR are talking to them as well and you it's almost like as a referee these days you have to have the focus of a fighter pilot on a football pitch and that is tough that is so tough the rigors that these officials are now having to face are are more stringent than ever and i think with that combined with the fact that the game is speeding up it's making and and the scrutiny the pressure that they find themselves under because week on week we are having more and more talking points created and more and more discontent amongst football supporters. It is all leading to this big amalgamation of pressure that's been put on officials.
0: Right, let's uh, look at the the table itself where we see Arsenal sitting atop at the moment, Liverpool, uh, Man City, Villa, Spurs and Newcastle with Man on 24. So effectively we've got the top seven within nine points and we're uh, over a third of the way th- through the season. Arsenal on top. How are you reading them?
1: Uh, I think, actually, in many ways, I think they've... they've I mean, it's, it's obviously a straightforward thing to say because they are at the top of the table at the moment, but they've probably been the best side across the course of the game so far. And what I think is different about Arsenal this season, perhaps the last season, is that last season, them being a top of the Premier League around this point, as they were for obviously long periods of the season last year, it had been a number of years since they found themselves in that position, and there was so much talk about them, unexpected title race—could they push? Man- could they push Manchester City? Could they steal Manchester City's crown? This young squad that Mikel Arteta had had groomed and gelled and had turned into this brilliant unit—and ultimately, at the end of the season, it became too much and they cracked. The difference this season is that they have that experience of 12 months ago. They know what it's like to be in a title race, and actually. There's not as much noise around them this season because there's almost an expectation that they're going to be there, that this is what we expect from an Arsenal team now. And I think those two things combined mean that Arsenal actually will feel more comfortable in themselves about being in a title race and are sort of largely happy for for some of the other clubs to be picking up a bit of attention as they have been this season. Like Tottenham obviously had that brilliant start. Manchester City are always going to court attention The likes of Manchester United and Chelsea have had their own problems and therefore they've attracted some headlines as well. Liverpool slowly coming back into the title race. So actually, from an Arsenal perspective, far less talk about them this season than there was last season. And that, I think, will suit Mikel Arteta and his players.
0: Aston Villa's been the talking point. Uh, They're currently fourth at the moment. They they have the, the squad depth to sustain this run
1: that's a really interesting point smithy uh, and the answer is i think if we if we're talking about do do they have the squad depth to to challenge for the league title this season i'd say at this stage probably not because you're you've got a squad that are being tested with thursday nights in europe as well and that has its that carries its own strains obviously for, for any team they've been magnificent so far i saw them yesterday as you mentioned at, at bournemouth They actually weren't brilliant. Bournemouth were probably the better team on on the day. Um, I do wonder whether all these these European games are slightly catching up with them because going into yesterday's game, they've won seven of their last eight in all competitions. They've been in magnificent form. They're freely scoring goals. I think they've scored 51 goals so far this season in all competitions, which is quite remarkable. They've They've been a brilliant, brilliant team to watch. And what Unai Emery has had luxury of doing largely this season is picking the team or, or almost the same team he'd made fewer changes in terms of starting 11s than any other team in the Premier League this season and it shows having that consistency yesterday wasn't necessarily in a position to do that he had Ollie Watkins available there were some question marks over whether he was going to play or not he was fit so he started obviously came up with that big goal at the end but he left a couple of key players out he didn't play Matty Cash yesterday Moussa Diaby was left on the bench perhaps to rest his legs Bubakar Camera was suspended so they were missing quite a key player from midfield yesterday too and they weren't quite at the races in the same way that they have been in recent weeks and that maybe is a little bit of a sign of a team that I actually think will quite possibly be in the top four this season but will they be in that top two positions? I'm not sure they will.
0: Right, there's a massive Liverpool fan base in this country. Uh, a lot of people uh, who text into the radio, our radio show are Liverpool fans. How about their start to the season and their continuation? Well,
1: yesterday was such a big game for them, wasn't it? That victory over over Fulham and the way in which they secured that victory, coming from coming from three-two down to win it with those those two late goals and the standard of the goals that Jurgen yeah, Klopp's team scored yesterday. I I'm sure I'm sure many of Liverpool supporters um, over in New Zealand have, have, have watched the the, the goals that, that they scored against Fulham but they were of such a high level. Obviously, Alexis McAllister's goal is going to be the eye-catcher, but the Trent Alexander-Arnold strikes were were absolutely terrific, too. They scored some beautiful goals yesterday. They're another team who you sense are very much part of the high race again this season. They were luckily out of it before the race had even begun last season, but they are now back in a position, I feel, where they, they could be a team to Manchester City and, and, and City's crown. So, for me, I'm looking at Liverpool and I'm looking at Arsenal, really, as being the two main contenders to, to Manchester City this season.
0: OK, interesting. Right, uh, always a lot of interest, too, particularly towards the end of the season in the promotion relegation side of it, and already we see um, a pattern developing here Luton was the fairy tale story. Uh, at this stage, they're just outside the bottom three. Everton, perennial strugglers, it seems now. Burnley and Sheffield uh, United down there at the bottom. Uh, the, the Everton story is: uh, uh, this used to be one of the footballing—I won't say giants—but it wasn't that long ago they were a very highly uh, rated side uh, in mm-hmm. in British football and world football. Everton, are they going to survive this time around? I, I guess. I
1: think the fact that they, they, they would never say this publicly, I'm sure, but of all the seasons for Everton to have had 10 points deducted from them, and obviously they've appealed to that in the Premier League, so we will wait to see the outcome of that in the months ahead. But of all the seasons for that to happen to them, I guarantee they'd have picked this one for it to happen. Because had it happened last season or the season before when they were also having issues, they'd have gone down. They'd have dropped out of the league. Whereas this season... I feel that they will still, despite having that 10-point deficit, will still feel that they can turn the situation around and get themselves out of trouble. Massive win for them at Nottingham Forest at the weekend. They've come up with a couple of big away performances this season. A few weeks ago, they won at Brentford. Huge victories, picking up points like that. So so I think Everton will be OK, despite the 10 points, regardless of what happens with that. I think Everton will be, Everton will be all right because... There's enough quality in that to get out of it. And they've got a very experienced manager in Sean Dyche as well. And <laughs> the other teams down there. Burnley, obviously, got a, got a, got a big win at the weekend. That might, that might suddenly... We might suddenly see a lift now from Vincent Company's team because he might argue that, that that's been coming in terms, of, in terms of bashing five goals past somebody. The team on the end of it, Sheffield United not to talk now about the future. Paul Heckingbottom. It, it appears his reign as Sheffield United manager is over. Chris Wilder is the, the manager that's that's been talked about as being his replacement, which is a really interesting story because, of course, he was at Sheffield United before. So he, could he be the one to come back in and save them? Of all the teams at the moment, Sheffield United are the ones that I personally am most concerned about, or I would be concerned about if I was a Sheffield United supporter, because they look the weakest for me of the twenty at the moment. The others have a little bit about them. Luton were beaten at the weekend but there's something about this Luton team. I'm not necessarily saying they're going to stay up this season, but there is this spirit that Rob Edwards seems to have created with the Hatters, which makes me think that they have a little sniff of getting out of it. I just don't really know because I'm not, I, I think Everton won't finish in the bottom three. So I don't really know with Luton who it is. They're going to overhaul to ensure that they finish outside of the bottom three and somebody else goes in. That, that's my only that's my only worry about losing because I, I look at the other teams and and I feel that each of them have enough quality to finish outside of the
0: relegation zone. We usually don't uh, talk too much about the championship over here until it becomes right at the end of the season and we take notice of who's going to go back up to Premier League football. But I, I think it's fair to say at this point that Leicester are going to have a pretty speedy return.
1: Yeah, they've been, they've been brilliant so far. They had it. They had a little bit of a blip a couple of weeks ago because they'd, they'd, they'd been blowing everybody away in the first couple of months of the season. And then they were beaten in a couple of games and you started to wonder whether they wouldn't, you know, maybe the wheels would come off a little bit. But actually, they seem to have got themselves back on track. And, and in terms of the quality of the squad, it does, in the main, look a level above everybody around them. So I, I would say Leicester are a pretty fair shout to come back up. And actually, Ipswich have gone with them all the way. This is a, an Ipswich side who have been out of, out of the top flight for a number of years now, but obviously they had some great success in previous times under George Burley, got themselves into Europe as well in a, in a couple of campaigns. And it's a remarkable story because they were in the third tier of English football. Only last season they were in League One, they've come up, and it looks like they're going to bounce through and do it again. But there's others involved in that mix. Southampton are on a terrific run at the moment, another team that came out of the Premier League last season. Leeds United also relegated back in May. They're in that mix too. Middlesbrough still being talked about as a potential as well. It's, a, it's, a fat, it's an absolutely fascinating race to get out of that league. And it's a, it's a stronger championship than it has been for, for quite a while as well. So, so it, could be a, it could be a remarkable few months in that league.
0: Chris Wise, always fantastic to catch up with you and uh, get your in-depth uh, take on Uh, how you see the Premier League in particular. Very jealous that you get to call it uh, a couple of times a week. But there you go. That's uh, when you're that good, you get those opportunities. Chris, uh, thanks so much for your time. uh, And we'll we'll catch up again uh, throughout the season, I hope. Pleasure to be with you, Smithy. Thanks for having me on.